Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Does it all work? <laughs> That's always the question. I haven't unplugged anything. I haven't changed anything. I did a recording yesterday for something totally different, which I'm going to share more on later on. And uh, some of it just seemed to be a little bit quieter and louder in spots. I'm wondering if it's a microphone thing. Who knows? We'll see. Who's here? G'day, Burton. Hmm. Christian's in Norway. <laughs> G'day, Christian. G'day, Norway. Uh, okay, what are we doing? What do I do on these things? Turn my sound off <laughs> to begin with. Ooh, new uh, vacuum pumps. That sounded much worse than what it <laughs> should have. New vacuum pumps for the filament sealer for the printer. I um, Actually, I've got them here on my desk. I tweeted a photo the other day of printing my GitHub commit timeline. So if you've not seen this before, you can go to skyline.github.com and for any any publicly facing GitHub profile that shares uh, the commit history, so this is, you don't necessarily have to share all the things you're committing to, so like have I been pwned is still other than all the public bits which we'll talk about later on it's still a private repo but you can still see your uh, your commit history in terms of volume so you can put in say troy hunt at skyline.github.com and choose a year like 2019 it will generate a 3d model in stl format like this so this one i printed the other day and when i shared the photo on twitter and i shared it sort of i just snapped it and shared it people were like wow that print is kind of shit and it's probably a little bit hard to see it here on screen there's a lot of banding and sort of as you rub your finger over it you can feel how many layers there are there so i realized that one of the one of the problems i have is that it's hot here <laughs> and it gets very humid like it gets up 90 percent plus humidity particularly when we get storms and i was worried that the filament was probably uh probably sucking just a little bit too much moisture and humidity. So I did two things, actually. I bought a whole bunch of uh, vacuum-sealed bags, and this is the thing that is now available to buy as well, the vacuum pump, so that every time I print something, I can just suck all the air out of the filament in like a, a sealed bag, which would be good. And the other thing is, rather than using this, I can't remember the name of it. I'm happy to throw them under the bus when I remember the name of it. Rather than using this cheapy filament, which didn't do a great job, I... Uh, instead used Prusament. So this is a different print altogether. And Prusament is the filament that Prusa printers themselves make. And this is just way, way more reliable. Even filament that I've had open for many, many months and has had lots of humidity is reliable. However, <laughs> if, you, if you look at these two models next to each other, you may notice that this one in my left hand is a lot higher than this one in my right hand because I got up yesterday morning and one of them, the one on the Prusament, just had filament and shit all over the place. Like it had gotten to here, and then I don't know if it was a layer shift or what happened, but it just started spitting filament all over the place. So after that big spiel about how reliable Prusa filament is, actually I can see now there's a point here where it's there's definitely something gone totally weird. Like one of these columns has got... It's a little bit like IoT. There's a lot of mucking around. G'day Spencer, nice to see you here. It has been a long time. I think I last saw you in, in Minneapolis. <laughs> that felt like a long time ago, didn't it? That must have been must have been almost three years ago. 2019, Minneapolis. G'day Steve, welcome to a live event. It's exciting, isn't it? 
<laughs> All right, let me move on because I, I do have things. And then I've got Sparky's coming over again, electricians, for those of you in other parts of the world, to do some more IoT stuff. Uh, sponsor, sponsor. So sponsor this week is Veronis again. Veronis has been a very, very long-term uh, sponsor. Also a company that I've spent time with a lot in different parts of the world. I've spent time with Veronis doing presentations in San Francisco, London, spent time with them in Israel, also 2019. There you go, like 2019 was the last time I actually did much stuff <laughs> in person. Sponsored by Veronis, reduce your SAS blast radius with data dynamic security for AWS, G Drive, Box, Salesforce, Slack and more. And one of the things that, that Veronis has always done really well, and one of the reasons I've liked doing events with them, is they're very good at finding where you have things on your network and then what is anomalous behavior. So do go and check out Veronis. Uh, they have been a, a great, great supporter for many years. Richard, are you attending NDC 2021 in Oslo this December? I'm attending my pool this December and that's that's almost as far as I'm going to go I, I, I am actually going to go other places in this state in December so for for Richard and other people uh, wondering we, we can't actually go anywhere really yet uh, as Aussies so we we locked down pretty hard uh, when coronavirus first hit now many of you have been here before I know I'm pretty sure you have Spencer you've been to NDC Sydney and you'll know that like we're a long way away from everything and we're a big freaking island and we have a lot of control over what comes in. So we sort of have a history of being able to have uh, pretty stringent controls on things like viruses uh, and particularly things like parasites. I always remember when I was living in Singapore and I used to fly home. I don't know if they still do this. Uh, the, the flight attendants would literally walk through the cabin just before we land with like cans of spray God knows what was in it, but to kill parasites and things like this. A uh, lot of import controls. I remember my father, who was a pilot, <laughs> coming back into Australia and getting fined pretty heavily for having a banana in his nav bag. Uh, now, this was like hundreds of dollars for a banana because we're very strict about these things. So anywho, that has also extended through to COVID-19. So we locked the borders down really hard in about March last year. Even us as Aussies, with very rare exceptions, we can't go anywhere. And it was, in fact, it was very, very hard for Aussies to come back. Now, it's just starting to open up. In fact, this week we had the first flights where Aussies could start to go overseas again. Uh, but then again, it's different state by state as well. So our state here, which has had barely any COVID-19, and, and here's what I mean by barely any. We have 5.2 million people. Seven people have died like since day one, and most of them were right up front due to uh, an outbreak on a, on a cruise ship. Uh, so we have been, like our lives have barely been touched by it. Um, certainly mine has anyway, other than the fact I can't travel anywhere internationally. So there's absolutely no chance of going overseas in December. My hope is that around about March, April, we might start to get that option. Uh, and then we'll see, because I kind of realized how much i like it at home and i kind of realized also that all the travel i was doing in periods such as 2019 not only were very stressful uh, but they were let's just say they're driven by other factors as well and i'm going to talk more about those oh shit i just broke part of my commit history off i'm going to talk more about those uh more in the future so no not uh, 2019 Stephen, can you send some nice warm queensland weather to uk please no too bad i'm just going to send photos 
<laughs> I tweeted a photo yesterday. It's like I'm laying in my pool going, ah, I really should do some work. Um, the good thing is, of course, is that you can do so much from the pool these days or from anywhere because it's like, well, I have my phone uh, and a lot of what I do is emails and tweets and <laughs> photos of my pool. And I can do all of that from my pool. Okay, let's move on because there are items of note today. Last week I spoke about how terrible <laughs> this Rode mic is. So this is the uh, Rode Video Mic Me L. Uh, and I spoke about how terrible it was and I tweeted about how terrible it was, namely because it's just crazy amounts of static. So this is the little mic that has a lightning port on the bottom and you basically get it onto your iPhone like this. You've got to take the cover off because it doesn't fit otherwise. You plug it into the bottom and then it's a directional mic. Now that looks like it fits, but it doesn't fit. It actually doesn't go in all the way. So you've got to take the cover off. Not too bad. I can live with that. But I just got crazy amounts of static on my phone. Now I, I tweeted this. I tagged Road. <laughs> I think I explained last week, just in case I didn't. When I was tagging Road, I had this moment of realization as to why I don't let the kids sort of unattended onto social media, the kids being nine-year-old daughter and 12-year-old son, because I was trying to find the Twitter handle for Road. I didn't know if it was like at Road or at Road Mics or something like this. And I went to Twitter, to the search box, and typed in Road, like literally R-O-D-E, uh, and got a lot of very full-screen porn just searching for like road for the video and i was like, all right okay, okay this is this is this is a good learning experience f for me not learning from the video but just learning from from oh, that sounded bad learning that uh leaving the kids unattended on devices even on something like twitter can give very very unintended results also reminded me they're just going to see it anyway and there's really not a lot i can do about it other than be present Anywho, so Road did get in touch, and they're actually uh, they're actually really good in terms of their support. Uh, and we've been going backwards and forwards, trying a few different things. The TLDR at the moment is it's only my iPhone twelve, iPhone thirteen Pro Max that has problems. I tried it on my old iPhone twelve Pro, works fine. I tried it on Charlotte's, absolutely identical in every way iPhone 13 Pro Max, and it works fine. I do not know why it doesn't work on my device. So we're now at the point where they're like, so do you put like one on a MagSafe charger and, and one not? And I like, oh God, are we at that point? But they are being supportive and I would like to figure out what has happened to it because it is a really good idea and I'd actually like to be able to do some live streams using this. Now I do have, some people suggested, look, get the, uh, the wireless lapel one. So there's a wireless one you can use. I do have that. I've got it in a drawer over there. It's just a lot more logistics than just plugging this in. It's got to be charged. You've got to have one which sits with the phone. I've also got to have like a, a headphone jack to lightning port adapter. And then the other one you've got to have on your... I might just be doing that anyway in future. But anyway, that's right. So far, the product is very flaky, but only on my device. And the support has been good. So I guess that's that's something. Hmm. Nick007 has lost video. I think that's on you, mate, because it looks okay from here. CoinHive. Now, this has taken an interesting turn. Oh, I've got to find the email I got about this. So CoinHive, if you recall, is the was 
the crypto miner, the JavaScript crypto miner that you could put on your own website. So if you are running a website and you would like to monetize your traffic, but you know that people don't like ads, instead of putting ads on your site, you put a JavaScript crypto miner because apparently people actually don't mind that which is rubbish because really what you're doing is you're just maxing out their CPU, consuming their power to mine yourself a little bit of crypto, uh, and then you will get the little bits of crypto from all the browsers and you will make money out of it. So that was their value proposition. And there were some sites that did that, that deliberately, consciously put CoinHive on their site to mine some crypto. But then every hacker and their dog who managed to actually compromise picturing dogs compromising sites who managed to actually uh, compromise someone else's website was also putting CoinHive on it and mining the little bits of crypto and sending them back to them. Now, if you think about how many different websites are out there that are mum and pop sort of, I just said mum like an American, mum and dad sort of little sites, you know, it's like it's a restaurant with a menu or something like that and they use some ancient version of WordPress that's got vulnerabilities and default passwords and stuff like that. And someone finds a way to get the little script running on the site. The the mum and dad restaurant store have got no idea that it's there, but it's sitting there in the background on this website, which is effectively compromised mining little bits of crypto. So lots of websites end up with that. So through a set of fortuitous circumstances, I obtained the CoinHive domain. It's basically someone gave it to me. So the person that uh, that owned it, this was also after CoinHive shut down because CoinHive got to the point where it's like, look, we can't really make this thing financially viable anymore. They shut it down. So after all that, I managed to get the CoinHive domain and I was like, okay, what can I do with this? I can literally control the JavaScript that runs on thousands and thousands of websites, not just websites, but there are compromised routers that was injecting the CoinHive script into web pages loaded over HTTP. Subtle note as to why we need HTTPS on everything, even if it is not accepting credit cards and login details and things like that. So this script is like all over the place. And, um, and that means that I have control of JavaScript on all of these sites. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? I put a model pop-up on there, which said, this website has attempted to run a crypto miner in your browser. Click here for more information. And you could dismiss it and then just go back to like ordering from the menu or whatever else it was. So I put that out there earlier this year, wasn't it? And I did start to see traffic to the CoinHive domain drop off. Obviously, some people removed CoinHive from their compromised sites. But if I'm honest, I wasn't seeing it drop off as much as I'd like. And I'm going to give you some stats on this. I'm looking at my Cloudflare dashboard at the moment. And we'll go and pop up CoinHive here. And we'll look at the analytics. And we'll look at the unique visitors for the past 30 days. There have been 811,000 unique visitors to CoinHive over the last month. Now, this is tracking, it was tracking around about 40,000 a day. It has possibly ticked down over the last month, and we're now at like 35,000 a day, but 35,000 people a day are seeing this this model and then dismissing it. Now, of course, some of that number as well is going to be like bots and this sort of thing. What's the breakdown, actually? Most of it's from the US, then Brazil, which is interesting because I do recall various instances of compromised routers, particularly in Brazil. So I wonder if it's being injected into those sites. Uh, what else can it tell us here? 
how many requests? <laughs> 29 million requests. That's actually quite interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? Because there's 811,000 visitors, but 29 million requests over the last 30 days. Let's just call it a lot. So I decided to level up a little bit and make the Modal uh, indismissible. So there's no more little cross anymore. You can't get rid of it. And after five seconds, it automatically redirects to my blog with the article about crypto miners. So yes, I'm aware I have effectively killed these websites. But they shouldn't be putting my script on their page in the first place. <laughs> and, and this is really the point, right? Like it, it is killing access to these websites. But if that's what it takes to get attention for people to go, hang on a moment, there is something compromised on my website. And if you're doing this consciously, well, just go and remove it. If that's what it takes, then so be it. So what has happened since I did that? Because it was only a few days ago. If I go and look at troyhunt.com traffic, because this is where it gets kind of interesting because now people are being automatically redirected to my website. Uh, my troyhunt.com traffic has gone up a lot. It's gone up. I've been doing around about, say, 17,000 unique visitors a day. Uh, and then yesterday it, was, it, was, it rounds to 34,000. So I have literally doubled my number of unique visitors to my website. Not high quality visitors, if I'm honest. I don't think that people being automatically redirected from a website without trying to buy something from a cafe is a high quality reader of troyhunt.com. But it's interesting. Now, what has happened since then? Well, two things that are obvious, and then one other thing, which I'm going to look up in just a moment because I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, the two things are I have gotten a lot of extra discuss spam to the blog post about CoinHive. Now, I know that um, blocking spam is a tricky problem at the best of times. Uh, I wish Discuss could do a little bit better. They do seem to flag it as spam, so it's not visible, and I just go into like the Discuss admin panel every now and then, and so yeah, there's a lot of spam. But for some reason, maybe because there's just a lot of crawlers that are now following that client-side redirect, which is interesting, crawlers aren't just following like 301s and 302s. They will look at JavaScript redirects. So that's obviously uh, that's obviously sent a lot more traffic to the site, which has then resulted in a lot more a lot more spam. The other thing that's happened is I've had a few weird emails. Now this one in particular from someone, Tony. <laughs> the last name here is I'll just call him Tony. I get this email a couple of days ago. It says. I was trying to see the menu at a restaurant and your advertisement popped up. I couldn't get rid of it. I tried several times. So I couldn't see the menu. Can you please fix your advertisement so there's a way to X out of it? Thank you. Tony said from my iPhone. I was curious. So I went back to him. I said, what restaurant and what advertisement? A URL would help. And then Tony didn't reply. So I, in my mind, like I'm picturing Tony sitting down, like trying to order a pizza somewhere from the online menu and seeing my advertisement, which of course is not an advertisement, it's just like get your freaking crypto miner script off this site. So I wish Tony had a reply. I would have been curious to see that. So here's the other thing, and I haven't looked at this yet, but I think this is going to be interesting. I do have Google Analytics on have I been pwned and also on troyhunt.com. I, if I'm honest, I don't think I've looked at it for about a year, which means I probably would not need to have it. I'm interested to see where this traffic is coming from. Referrals, 
So which websites are now sending all of this traffic? Now, what's our period here? Let's just go the last, last few days uh-huh. up to today. Great. Where is all of this coming from? Wow. A very, uh, a very Brazilian sounding name here. I can't even pronounce this. It's, it's got symbols over letters that aren't in my alphabet. Uh, what is this website? But 1,700 people come from this website. Why does Google Analytics make it so hard to actually... Oh, no, there we go. I found the link. There's the button. I'm going to drop this in the chat and then people can, uh, people can go and have a look at it. I've got to click it. Oh, it pops it up in a window with no address bar. <laughs> okay, I'm going to drop this in the chat just so people can see the full experience now. Uh, I think this website's okay. And look, it redirects to mine anyway. All right, so this is the number one website. Someone here who speaks Portuguese might be able to actually tell me what this site is about. But that seems to be where a lot of people are coming from, uh, which which is interesting. What is that site? Where else are they coming from? Let's go back again. Gee, Google Analytics really hasn't changed in like 20 years, has it? Uh, this one, regalis dash Bebby. <laughs> oh, I'm scared to click this. I'm going to have another road experience any moment now. What about this one? I'll share this one as well. Oh, not secure website. That's not good. This is something. To, this, this is actually about babies. This is actually about babies. I'll drop this in here. So that, I'm just dropping into the chat, is the second most popular one. Um, I'm actually not seeing my script load. Now, incidentally, in case you're following these links, certainly the first one, I saw my script load and redirected my blog. In case you're not seeing it, if you've got an ad blocker, a lot of ad blockers block the CoinHive domain. If you've got a pie hole, it blocks the CoinHive domain by default. If you're using Brave browser, it blocks CoinHive by default. So you might be clicking these going, what's Troy on about? I can't see this behavior. Uh, okay, let's try the third one, kolau1.blogspot.com. This might be the last one, then I'm going to... Go and have a look at the comments. What happens if we go here? Well, that's all Arabic or similar. It looks like a weather thing. Oh, yeah, you know, I, you know, here's what I'm wondering now. So I'm going to drop this in here because I think this is interesting. I wonder if it's not redirecting because they've actually removed CoinHive now. Wouldn't that be a good result? That would be like, let's have a look at the source code of this. Do we have CoinHive anywhere here? Nope, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> so did that actually run? Why is my script not properly compromising other websites? <laughs> that's, that's basically where we're at now. Um, what is in the console? We can live debug this together. Oops. F12. Huh, weird. But this is, a, I can't help but like be fascinated by this whole thing. Um, <clears throat> access to script coin over, oh, redirected, has been blocked by cause policy. Ooh, that is interesting. Do I not have a cause policy on that? Do I need a cause policy? I'm going to put a cause policy on that. And that will help fix the problem. Okay, cool. Job for me after I get off this call call, video, whatever. Let me have a look at the comments. Um, R- 
Rambling Geek says, Road is fine for him on Twitter. I'm impressed you went and looked after you knew damn well what I found. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> Just unlucky timing, Christopher says. Unlucky. I'll tell you what, uh, that the nature of what I saw, I felt unlucky having seen it. And we'll just leave that at that. Uh, well, she said, it's just crazy to see how low, uh, slowly the hit rate is decreasing. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, it, it is a bit crazy, but I'm really curious to see now that I've, I've ratcheted up a bit, and particularly once I do this cause thing here as well, it'll be really interesting to see if that actually changes things. So is it going to, uh, is it going to fundamentally decrease that traffic uh, anymore, I, I, I would think it would probably have to. Stuart thinks uh, or wonders if I think we'll ever end up with zero requests. No, no, we'll never end up at zero. I would like to not end up with like thirty-five thousand. Was it people a day? I think that that is that is systematic, reflective. I don't know there's a bigger problem. But then again, it looks like maybe my script has not been as obnoxious as what it could be. So that's going to be my my fix-it job for today. Uh, Red says Bitdefender says no so yeah Bitdefender is the sort of product that would block that it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, Tom says nice list of vulnerable websites if you really want a list you know you can just do a Google search for what's my text this website attempted to run a crypto miner in your browser uh, and you get a list of all the sites it appears on so just saying This is here. Oh, Scott's here. G'day, Scott. Uh, did you try to hack the site by looking at the HTML? Don't have 12. <laughs> no. uh, American politicians. They're just as much fun as Australian ones, really. Stephen says, the Blogspot one had a few extra things on it. My AV went a little crazy, which is uh, probably not uh, not surprising. Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. I think... CoinHive will continue to be an unfolding adventure. Let's just put it like that. Israel. Let's go to Israel. So this one, oh boy, this one is a real mess. So there is a an Israeli hosting company called CyberServe. They got very ransomed by Black Shadow. <laughs> it's just funny looking at the news stories because every time there's a there's a data breach I'm going to load and have a vampire, I look around, try and find a news story. And the stock photos that they use to illustrate black shadow are exactly the sort of thing that you'd expect mainstream news or even infosec news to use to illustrate hackers. So black shadow has compromised this Israeli hosting provider. Now that alone is noteworthy because as soon as it's a hosting provider, then there are multiple different assets and multiple different companies that are impacted. It's not like We've seen data breach or, or ransomware against, uh, let's say, a, a doctor's office, and that's bad, but it is just the doctor's office. But once it's a hosting provider, then there's all these downstream services who use that hosting provider with the best of intentions and, of course, are now ransomed. Now, the, the, the one that's the really big news, so there's multiple sites, but there's two which are noteworthy, one of them in particular, which is a dating website. Now, I'm just going to sort of read the byline here because it best explains it. After releasing full database of LGBTQ dating website, Iran-linked group publishes directory from Macon Moore Medical Institute, including information on treatments and appointments. Now, the LGBTQ site is the one that is really, really worrying, uh, and it's called Atraf. Uh, now, obviously, this is a site that I have never heard of before for multiple different reasons. But 
it is exactly what it sounds like. And what's really, really alarming here, if I go and have a look at the data, is that, first of all, the nature of a dating website is that there's a lot of personal information it must collect, which is extremely personal. Uh, Namely, what sort of partner you would like in life. But also things like your height, your weight, do you smoke, do you drink, all this sort of stuff. So, regardless of any sexual orientation of a dating website, that is always going to be super, super personal. When you then get to a website for dating that deals with sexuality as well, we've now got like another layer of sensitivity on here because someone's sexuality is usually considered sensitive PII. So as soon as someone's present there, it implies things. But due to the nature of LGBTQ, there are lots of nuances within the sorts of relationships that people might want to have. And for a dating website to operate and and cater for that audience, they need to ask extra personal questions. And that sort of stuff is in here as well. The worst thing that is in here in terms of the impact of privacy is people's HIV statuses. Now, I didn't even look through to see how many of them said positive, which of course would be the the thing that would be the the most uh, abusive of someone's privacy. But the very fact that it's there and it asks the question and then the data is exposed is just enormously alarming. And this is not a criticism of the site operating or collecting that data. It's more an an observation of just how impactful a data breach like this is. Now, allegedly, it is the Iranians. Black Shadow is a group of Iran-linked hackers who use cyber attacks for criminal ends, according to Hebrew media reports. I'm not sure how much it matters that it's Iran or somewhere else, but perhaps the fact that it is from a country which is probably a bit less tolerant of sexuality, the likes of what we see on a traff, probably makes it that much more newsworthy or that much more impactful. Uh, I don't think there's any indication that that is why they targeted that service. I suspect it's like, look, it was there and it was it was available, and of course it was the hosting provider and a lot of other stuff has been caught up with it. Uh, the other thing that makes this even worse is that this data has been dumped to a publicly facing website uh, on the clear web. I've got it here somewhere. I don't even know where it's gone now. But it's just like here is everything and it's just easily available to download. So the intent was to well and truly redistribute this information as far as possible. And of course, by extension, that does the greatest amount of damage. So not only was it ransomware with data made unavailable, but it was attacks against confidentiality with data taken as well Uh, and it included a dating site and it was an lgbtq dating site and it had a lot of sensitive data and it's all been posted to the public web so i had some folks send it to me and sort of say look this is this is data which we we really think needs to be out there and needs to be discoverable in fact i'm going to go i'm just trying to find which chat thing it was <laughs> that I was in with this. So I'm obviously not going to repeat the URL here, but that URL uh, is still up and running. They've got a Telegram channel as well where they're sharing information. It's interesting. It says here the Telegram channel is deleted. <laughs> so they've had to make another one. <laughs> Too bad. Um, oh, man. All this data is still here as well. And the thing is, I mean, obviously Ransom, so that they've screen kept the Telegram discussions they're having here. Hello, we wanted to talk to you and make a deal that would benefit both sides. We are agreed to paying you, but only quarter million in Bitcoin, and you will not tell anyone that we gave you money. That's the deal. It's the best one you get. Wow, okay. So this is 
allegedly, this is allegedly CyberServe trying to negotiate with Black Shadow. So, Black Shadow then says, hello, you mean 250K? Yes, we promise you, this is the best deal you get. Black Shadow then says, it is a 1 million database, so if everybody pay just $1, it would be 1 million! Exclamation mark smiley face. Which is interesting. CyberServe says, this will not happen. Our offer is on the table. This is the only offer and your last chance. Do you really want to mess up with Israeli government because this will end badly for you? <laughs> but do you ever think hackers read that and they go, oh, oh yeah, Israelis, I might get in trouble. Like, like, no one thinks they're going to get caught. This is always the problem. Black Shadow says, you should come up with better offer. This is your last chance too. And then, and it's not actually clear whether this is a traff or cyber serve. A traff, let's say it's a traff. What would you get from publishing it? And then Black Shadow says, we get attention. Smiley face. For Iranian hackers, like destroying people's lives, there's too many smiley faces in here. A traff, we are asking you in brackets nicely to not publish it and we'll give you 250K. But if you will publish it, Israel cybercrime investigators will come after you. And then they've like quote tweeted the bit where Black Shadow's like, we get attention. <laughs> and Atraf says, but no money. If you want to start getting paid, get your prices lower. And then Black Shadow's like, so I ask again, what is your offer? And then it goes back, oh man, this is like a soap opera. This, this actually goes on too long to read and I can't link to it, but inevitably this is in various news articles as well. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's fascinating to sort of see the to and fro trying to negotiate with these people. It's in Have I Been Pwned. There's about 1.1 million email addresses there because of the nature of the ATRAF data. And it's in Have I Been Pwned as a cyber server breach. So it's, it's the ATRAF, it's the Medical Institute. There's some other services in there as well. But because the ATRAF data is a large part of it, because of the nature of the service, it is flagged as sensitive. So you cannot publicly search for this data. You need to use the little notification service to go through, verify your email address, and then once you demonstrate control of the email address, it will show you all the data against it. But, oh man, that's just nasty. And just looking at the to and fro on this. Oh, so they went up to half a million. They doubled it. Black Shadow. If you give 500k, the only thing we can give you is 24 hours more to pay another 500k. I think data is much more important. Your friend says nobody cares. Who? What friend? You know. Wow. Jeez. Okay. Comments. What's happening over here? Someone thought I'd frozen. I haven't frozen. Good. Glad we sorted that out. Okay. That was Black Shadow, CyberServe, and a traff. Last thing. Pwned passwords. Now, as many people know, I announced the intention to open source pwned passwords. Uh, in fact, I announced the intention to open source various bits of have I been pwned last year. We did that with pwned passwords earlier this year, as well as announcing the FBI is going to have an ingestion pipeline to feed data in. Stefan, who is often on this call, but I cannot see here today, is uh, very actively coordinating the development of that particular ingestion pipeline. We have been testing it very actively with the FBI, and I think we are very, very close to the point where we can push that out, which is really cool. Uh, there is also another three-letter acronym, Law Enforcement Agency, from another part of the world that is going to be almost certainly using this service as well, as well as providing a whole bunch of data 
uh, to seed the new, I guess, release or the release of the new implementation. Uh, and, and just in case anyone's wondering, like if you're using the, the K-Anonymity API at the moment, everything that you're doing there would be exactly the same. There'll just be more data in it uh, and it will be a constant flow of new data. So I'm really, really looking forward to that because the whole idea of this is to try and get as much data in there as early as possible. And particularly as we ramp this up and we get the FBI and other, other, other three-letter acronym agencies and probably other cybersecurity firms as well, I think, are going to want to contribute in the future, that the goal is to try and make sure that this resource is as up-to-date as possible. And what I'd really like is let's take the black shadow thing here. A bunch of passwords were stored in plain text. Good on you, Trev. I would like to see those passwords, as soon as they're available, whether it be from, let's say, uh, we've had the Israeli cybersecurity folks mentioned here a few times. I would love them <laughs> to feed this data into that pipeline. So it's like Black Shadow dumps all the data, uh, Israeli government picks it up, feeds it into the ingestion pipeline, and then the thousands, I assume thousands, let's go and check our stats, thousands of uh, websites that are then consuming from pwned passwords immediately get that benefit. And I think that that's really, really important because this is what's going to make the biggest difference to account takeover attacks. Like how can we get information about compromised passwords into people's hands as fast as possible? Now, I can't see how many different entities uh, are actually using pwned passwords, but I can see the requests. So I can see the volume that go to K-Anonymity API. So for the last month, it is now at 1.26 billion which is cool. And a peak day here, so the peak day was uh, only on the second of this month, so only a few days ago, uh, that was a total number of requests of 52.51 million. So how's that? 52.51 million requests in a day, 52.48 million of those were cached, which is really, really cool. Uh, and I, I went back and I was looking at some of Stefan's stats that he had published uh, about EVE Online, who he works for, using this and uh, and what their latency and everything was like as well. And when you're pulling data from a from a cache in a Cloudflare Edge node very close to you, it's super, super fast too. So I'm really happy to see that that number there. And I hope to see that go up a lot more as well. All right, Stuart says, excellent news. Have to chat to Info Security next week about finally integrating with Pwn passwords after two and a half years of trying. Like, yeah, that would be good. I'd, I would like them to do that. The, one of the nice things for me as well, and this sounds very, very counterintuitive, but one of the nice things is I don't get anything from more people using it. Like no one's paying for this. It's just it's just out there and consumable. Uh, but I, I, well, actually I do get something. I get a bit of a sense of euphoria. <laughs> it's like, it's nice to look at this and feel like you've actually had a bit of an impact. Burton, what's the status of open source of HLBP? Well, this is really the status. It's the poem passwords bit. Uh, the other bits I have to look at as time permits, which is really going to be once we get this out there, what do I do next? Um, I, I think one of the things that I want to do next, because to be clear, like open sourcing an existing brownfield project is a lot of work. I could have had a lot more time for myself and my jet ski if I had not open sourced poem passwords. So it is a big, big time commitment. And i got to go, okay, well, what is the right time commitment to do after this my gut feel at the moment is the right time commitment is to work on faster processing of new data and i've got some ideas around that 
So I, I think that that might be the th- that might be like my 2022 focus. You know, so hopefully we'll have all of this ingestion pipeline out uh, before Christmas, and then I'll have some time out over Christmas, and I'll have a good think about it, and I'll come back with a better plan to how to, uh, as to how to process more data. Uh, but I think the open sourcing of the other bits is a lot of work for for the return. Might be further down the line. We'll see. At least we've got this on the board. So, folks, that's about it. Now I have my Sparkies here to uh, to do some IoT things as well as replace a whole bunch of other corroded lights and things that happen when you live near the salt water. I do have another Philips. In fact, I've got a bunch of Philips Hue going on. I just realized. So I've got like a Philips Hue uh, up and down light, which is literally one of the ones that looks like a tube, shines light up, shines light down. And that's going on a, on a very white wall and it's one of the colored ones and that will zig me into the rest of the network. So I'll be able to sort of cast colors on the wall. Uh, and then I do have a bunch of new uh, Philips Hue Lily XLs, which are the garden lights, which again are Zigbee based. I've had uh, I've had a bunch near my pool; they're all perfect. And I had a few test ones out the front, just figuring out where do I put them. I know what to do with them now, so I think I've another four that'll go in there. Uh, and they they're great; they're really really good lights. You you do pay for them. Uh, I I think that they're worth it. Things like Philips Hue bulbs in the ceiling. It's not worth it. I got the cheapy ones. Uh, they're <laughs> frankly just as good. And incidentally, on those bulbs, a lot of those are two-year. So Home Assistant has just pushed the 2021.11 release, which has got a lot of improvements for the two-year integration. Uh, I had a very brief play with it yesterday. Looks good. <laughs> I've got to play with that more. So if you're in an HA ecosystem using two-year, go and check that out as well. Uh, Stephen says, enjoy wiring in more Shelleys. I never have to wire in Shelleys. I'm not allowed to wire in Shelleys in Australia because I'm not a licensed electrician. I don't plan on doing any of that. Um, I do have several Shelly i3s that I'm going to talk to Tim the Sparky about in a moment. So the i3s are much smaller than a normal Shelly. They are not real A's. They literally just have three effectively three buttons on them so you can wire them in behind a normal wall switch have three different buttons and each one raises a different event within the shelly and what i want to do is start using that to do things like turn on various automations like i'd like one automation which just turns off all the lights in the house you know and i'd like to build that into there and have it sit on the wall so it looks like a normal button so they'll be uh, they'll be doing that and i i think i've got one shelly that's being a bit flaky i have to change that Christopher says, speaking of IOTs, any luck with temp sensors in freezers? Work okay. Funny timing. I have been using the Akera temp sensors, the Zigbee ones, in, uh, I've had one in the beer fridge, and I've had, uh, and the beer fridge is regularly very, very close to zero C, uh, and I've had one in the top part of the wine fridge and one in the lower part of the wine fridge because they're like dual zone. The one in the beer fridge just yesterday has stopped working, and I'm not sure if it's because the battery's flat or if it's something else. So I'm going to go and give that little boot as well, uh, and we'll, we'll see what that looks like. The, the other thing, if anyone can look this up, the other thing I realized I would really, really like is I would love to have something like the size of an Akira uh, temp sensor that is wireless, like Zigbee, but can run in water. So I'd love to be able to have one that you'd put in like the bath. And when you're running a bath, it can tell you like, is it too hot or is it too cold? Because you're normally just like guessing. So if anyone finds one of those, do let me know. Okay, so I think I've got to go and, uh, and play with some of this IoT stuff and get back to doing some more work and also fix the cores on my coin hive as well. So thank you very much for watching. 
I'll do this again next week later in the day. See you, folks.